Early in my ministry, I was speaking with an older pastor and said to him, Dr. Davis, what advice would you give me as I'm going into ministry? He said, spend as much time as you can with young people. I love to be around young people, and I suppose the reason for that is because they have such dreams concerning the future. When they receive their diploma or degree, the world is before them. It is open before them, and so they are looking to the future. They anticipate meeting that perfect person, marrying, and living happily ever after. And then the Lord will bless them with children and so forth. But I enjoy being around young people because their focus is on the future. I would also hasten to say that if your dreams are going to become reality, that you must be absolutely committed to them. I have recently completed the book Team of Rivals concerning the administration of Abraham Lincoln. And we all know the failures that he had in life, that he ran for legislature and was defeated. He ran for vice president and on and on it went. But he was always committed to his dream and was elected the 16th president of the United States. So he had the dream, but he was also committed to that dream. When Albert Einstein was a student in school, a teacher said that he was a slow learner and should be removed from class. She recommended that he be taken out of the system. And uh, he continued on, and by the age of 26, he won the Nobel Prize. Today I want to speak to you about some wisdom for life as we turn again to Solomon, the wisest man who lived. We return to the book of Ecclesiastes, and here Solomon gives us, I think, some wisdom for our lives, because all of us want to live our lives as best we can. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning in verse number 7. Go then, eat your bread in happiness, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, verily do it with all your might. For there is no activity or planning or wisdom in Sheol where you are going." I again saw unto the sun that the race is not to the swift, and the battle is not to the warriors, and neither is bread to the wise, nor wealth to the discerning, nor favor to men of ability, for time and chance overtake them all. Moreover, man does not know his time, like fish caught in a treacherous net and birds trapped in a snare. So the sons of men are ensnared at an evil time when it suddenly falls on them." Several things I want you to see with me in this passage of Scripture as we consider what this wise man said about life. First of all, he reminds us that we have but one life. Now look at verse number 9. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given to you under the sun. Solomon there is saying to the, to the reader, we have but one fleeting life. Well, if that is true, then how can we live that life to the greatest extent? How can you get the most out of life if you only have one fleeting 
life, then how do you live it? Well, I think, first of all, it is important to understand that God has a purpose for your life. We ask the question, why am I here? Why did God create me? Why am I here at this time? So we have to ask the question, if life is going to be full to us, what is my purpose in life? You see, that was Jesus. Jesus understood that he had a purpose in life. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and there he was struggling with the cross, and he cried out to the Father and said, Father, if you can remove this cup from me, do so. And he struggled there under the shadow of the cross. And then he said, but for this cause came I to this hour. You see, he had that sense of purpose about his life. Folks, I think that it is extremely important now that you understand that God has a purpose for your life. Now, you might not have it all figured out. And there might be some turns and twists in the path. But understand that God created you and that he has a purpose for your life. But for that purpose to be fulfilled, then it must be touched by God. If you are going to be all that God intends you to be, then your life, your purpose must be touched by Him because it is God that gives life to our lives. When uh, Elijah came to the widow of Zarephath, he was hungry and so he asked her for food. She replied in 1 Kings 17, 12, I have no bread only a handful of flour in the bowl and little oil in the jar. So Elijah is saying to her, I am hungry and I want you to give me something to eat. She said, I don't have anything. I, I can't feed myself, much less you. But he appealed to her nevertheless, and she gave him something to eat. And then the Bible says, The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord. You see what happened? God touched it. And when God touched it, it was sufficient. God touched it. When the multitude had gathered to hear Jesus... They were hungry, and Jesus said to the disciples, give them something to eat. So they looked around and didn't have anything to give them, and finally they found a little boy that had five loaves of bread and two fish. And uh, he gave that to the disciples, and Jesus took what was there, five loaves and two fish. And the Bible says that the multitude was fed, and there were twelve baskets of leftovers, when they had eaten. What happened? It was touched by God. Folks, that, that's what I want you to understand is that you have a purpose in life that God has placed something within you to fulfill that purpose and when it is touched by God, then it is enough. God has a purpose for you. And when He touches you, then you are enough. Now, here's the thing that is important as well. Whatever God has given to you, we are to give back to Him. See, we are not reservoirs just hoarding the blessings of God, but instead we are rivers that dispense the blessings of God. And whatever God has placed within you, it is for the purpose of bringing glory to Him. So whatever we have been given, we give back to Him. 
Hannah prayed in the Old Testament about a child. She was barren, brokenhearted as a result of it, and she asked the Lord to give her a child. And uh, you know the story. It's a wonderful story in the Old Testament. And the Lord heard her prayer and gave her a child. And then the Bible says that she took that child, Samuel, back to the priest and gave him back to the Lord. Folks, that's the thing that's so important if you're going to understand the, the purpose of life and the importance of life is that God has given something significant to you that when we allow Him to touch it, then it is adequate for His purpose, and then we give it back to Him that He might be glorified. So, how then can we have life at its fullest? Understand your purpose. Feel like that God has you here for a purpose. And then He says, and then enjoy life. Look at verse number 9 again. Enjoy life. I know this doesn't sound very spiritual, but I think it is. Determine your purpose and enjoy life now. I, I don't know. It seems to me that as Christians sometimes that we think that life must be miserable if I'm going to be spiritual. And there is a lot of misery in life. But we think that is a part of being spiritual. When I read in the Bible that, uh, that we are to have joy, that we are to enjoy life. The psalmist says, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let me ask you, do you get up in the morning and see that day like that? I try to do that. I don't always succeed, but I, I try to consciously do that. When I awaken to say, this is the day the Lord hath made. God made this day. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice and be glad in this day. Chuck Swindoll wrote, if you are waiting to live it up, when you are six foot under, pal, you're in for a major disappointment. The time to live is now, and the way to do it is to pull out all the stops and play full volume. Did you know that enjoying life is more a decision than a circumstance? If I look there in verse number 7, Go then, eat your bread in happiness, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. To enjoy life is primarily a decision, not based on circumstances. I have a, had an aunt. She has gone to be with the Lord, but I had an aunt. I always enjoyed being around her because she was just fun. She was enjoyable to be around. She was a diabetic, and as a result, she was blind in one eye. And she was uh, placed in the nursing home at the end of her life, and both of her legs were amputated. So she's blind in one eye, no legs. But the nurses and those who cared for her loved to go to her room, they said, because she was so funny and because she had such wonderful stories. Now, that is a decision. You see, you decide if you are going to enjoy life. Look what he says in verse number 8. Let your clothes be white all the time. White garments were worn to joyous occasions. He continues, and let not oil be lacking on your head. 
anointing oil was used for special events. And then in verse number 9, Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Enjoy life with your wife. Man, are you doing that? Oh, you don't know her. Enjoy life with your wife. J. Paul Getty, one of the wealthiest men in America's history, said that he envied those people who had a happy marriage. Apparently he didn't have one. He, had, uh, he was married five times. But joy is a decision. You decide to enjoy life. It is a decision. So he says, first of all, we have one life. That's the first thing. We have one life, so enjoy it. Secondly, he reminds us that life is short in verse number 12. Moreover, man does not know his time. Life is short. Irma Bombeck, not a great theologian, but I used to enjoy reading her columns because they were humorous to me and sometimes had some wisdom. She wrote a column after she discovered that she uh, had cancer entitled, If I Had My Life to Live Over. Now listen to this. If I had my life to live over, I would have gone to bed when I was sick instead of pretending the earth would go into a holding pattern if I weren't there for the day. I would have burned the pink candle sculpted like a rose before it melted in storage. I would have taken the time to listen to my grandfather ramble about his youth. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. Life is short, and we don't do it over. So how do you live it? Well, let me say some things there. How should you live your life understanding that life is short? Go the distance. Don't stop short. Thomas Edison wrote, Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Go the distance in life. Jesus did. When Jesus committed himself to the Father's will, he went the distance and from the cross cried out, It is finished. He went the distance. In every part of your life, go the distance. We hear all the time about Americans being in such poor health and all of those issues that we... Well, why don't we just commit ourselves, I'm going to be as healthy as I can be. I'm going to do everything I can to be as healthy as I can be. I was eating, and I hate to follow that by this, but I was eating a bag of Doritos one day. And, you know, there's, there's these little testimonials on, on those sometimes. And there was one by Dr. Kenneth Cooper from the Cooper Clinic in Dallas. And it said, fitness is not a destination, it is a way of life. And as I sat there and I read that, I thought, that is good. Fitness is not a destination, it is a way of life. I said, that's good. But what in the world is it doing on a bag of Doritos? <laughs> what I'm saying is that be as... Commit yourself to being as healthy as you can in your profession. Go the distance. I used to have a friend who, who never was willing to go the distance, pay the price and all of that. He only criticized those who did. In your marriage, go the distance. 
We all have issues to deal with and frustrations in marriage. But don't let the little foxes destroy and defeat your marriage spiritually. Go the distance. Every once in a while I'll talk with somebody and, and we get to talking about spiritual things. And they'll say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, but not a very good one. And my response normally is, well, why not? I mean, why are you not a good Christian? If you are a Christian, you ought to be a good one. For heaven's sake, we've got enough bad ones. You ought to be a good one. (laughs) Go the distance in whatever you do. But to go the distance means there is a price to be paid. Calvin Coolidge wrote, Press on. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Pay the price. Go the distance. You remember in the Old Testament... When Joshua came to the city of Jericho, and the Bible says that the city was shut up. And so the Lord gave to the Hebrews the city. And he said to them, now here's what I want you to do. He said, for seven days I want you to march around the city. On the seventh day, march around the seventh time, blow the horns and the walls fall down. All right. Now, he did that. He, day number one, he marched around the city with his army. Did, did anything happen? No. Day number two, he marched around the city. Did anything happen? No. Day three, he marched around the city. Day four, he marched around the city. Day five, he marched around the city. Day six, he marched around the city. Nothing happened. Day seven, they marched around the city. They blew the horns and the walls fell down. But he paid the price. See? That's the thing, folks, is that we don't quit. We don't pull up short. Look at Naaman. Naaman was a, was a leader of the military and he had leprosy and the little uh, slave girl in his house said, you ought to go to the prophet in Israel. He'll tell you what to do. So he went to the prophet in Israel and the prophet said to him, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. He said, we have cleaner rivers at home. He said, well, it's not going to work there. You've got to go to Jordan. So he went down to the river, dipped himself once, came up, still had leprosy. Twice came up, still had leprosy. Three times came up, still had leprosy. Four times, five times, six times, still had leprosy. Dipped the seventh time, came up, and he was clean. Don't stop short. The Apostle Paul did not stop short. He came to the end of his life and was able to say, I fought a good fight, kept the faith, finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Don't stop short. Life is short. Know God's purpose and pay the price. Thirdly, let go of the past. Frank Lloyd Wright, a famous architect, was asked when he was 83 years old, which architectural project do you believe to be the most important? At 83, he said, the next one. (laughs) Folks, don't live your life looking in the rearview mirror, looking backwards. If you focus on yesterday's failures, you're going to be paralyzed to today. Apostle Paul could have focused on the failures of his life. He had persecuted the church. He had persecuted the people of God. But the Lord changed his life and he went on to preach the gospel of grace. He did not focus on his failures in the past. 
Simon Peter could have been stopped by the failure in his life in the past. He had denied the Lord Jesus. He could have focused right there, stopped right there. But he didn't. He went on to to feed the sheep of Christ and, we're told, died as a martyr for the Lord. Timothy struggled with health issues, but he continued serving the Lord. I, I say that to you to say, my friend, we have failures in life. All of us do. All of us have failures, those places, those areas in our life where we fail. Some, we look back and are ashamed. But if you focus on those failures, they can stop you today. You don't go forward. Don't focus on yesterday's failures. Don't focus on yesterday's successes. Because if you focus on yesterday's successes, you will not prepare for today's problems. When you have a success, celebrate it and then move forward. Malcolm Forbes wrote, Vehicles in motion use their generators to charge their own batteries. You can't recharge your battery when you're parked in the garage unless you're a golf cart. So don't look back. Don't live your life looking back. Go forward. And to go forward, you have to avoid excuses. In Proverbs 26, 13, and 14, the sluggard, or the lazy person, the sluggard says there's a lion on the road. A lion is in the open square. The lazy person has all these reasons why they can't go forward, why they can't do anything. Well, there's a lion out there that might get me. My friend, there's all kinds of excuses that we can make in life. But we're not going to go forward if we do. So get started. Don't make excuses. Get started. Look at verse number 10. Whatever your hand finds to do. I read that several times uh, yesterday and this morning, thinking about it. Whatever your hand finds to do. You know the problem many of us have? is that we're waiting for something great to come along before we do anything. We're waiting for something worthy of us to come along before we do something. David was anointed to be the king of Israel. What did he do? Did he sit there waiting for the crown? No, he went back and took care of the sheep. He went back and took care of the sheep until his time had come. When Linda and I went to our first church, small church, part-time, but it was, we had 40 people in attendance. Fifteen of them left my first Sunday there. I don't know. What's that all about? It's a small church. We have two children. I'm going back to school, all those things. Now, did Linda sit there and say, you know, I'm... I'm going to sit here because First Baptist Columbia is going to call us as pastor. No, she was the janitor. She was cleaning the toilets in the church. See, that, folks, that's what he's saying. Whatever your hand finds to do. Don't spend all your life waiting for something worthy of you. Whatever your hand finds to do, he continues. Do it with all your might. Give it everything you've got. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do it with everything within you. Why? Look as he continues in verse number 10. 
For there is no activity or planning or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. In other words, we're not always going to be here. I remember reading in the newspaper, what, three or four years ago, I guess it was, when Coach Spurrier was quoted as saying to his team, play every game as if it were your last. It may be. One day I'm going to preach my last sermon. I don't know when, but one day I'm going to. One day you're going to witness to your last person. I don't know when, but you're going to. One day I'm going to hug my family and walk out the door for the last time. And so are you. That's what he says. About life, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Because you're not always going to be here. There is an end. Anticipate obstacles. Alan McGinnis wrote, Strong people make as many and as ghastly mistakes as weak people. The difference is that strong people admit them, laugh at them, and learn from them. That is how they became strong. There will always be obstacles. There, there always discouragers. Satan is going to see to that. See, you're, you're going to be ready to do something, and I can promise you there's always going to be someone or something to discourage you. David was ready to go fight Goliath, and his brothers were there to discourage him. Nehemiah wanted to build a wall around, uh, around uh, Jerusalem, and his enemies tried to discourage him. They said, they can't do that. Nehemiah 4.2, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? What do they think they're doing? And if they build it, it's not going to stand. Nehemiah 4.4, 4, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. If, he, if they're not going to build it, if they do, it's not going to stand. You know what? I have seen the ruins of Nehemiah's wall. I have stood right there and saw the ruins of the wall that Nehemiah built. We overcome obstacles. There are obstacles for all of us. We overcome them. Thomas J. Watson, the founder of IBM, said the way to succeed is to double your failure rate. Let go of the past. Finally, your time will come. Be ready for it. W.A. Criswell was pastoring a smaller church in Oklahoma. He studied hard, worked hard. A friend of his one day said to him, Do you think First Baptist Dallas is going to come for you? He said, Well, if they do, I want to be ready. First Baptist Dallas did come. Dr. Criswell was ready. And he pastored that great church for 50 years. Your time will come. Be ready. God gave his best, and he expects best from you. Solomon, as the wisest man, gave advice about life. He said, we have but one life. Enjoy it. Life is short. Make it count. Let go of the past, whether successes or failures. Your time will come. Be ready. Wayne Smith said, Satan won't tell you there's no hell. He won't tell you there's no heaven. He will tell you there's no hurry. 
My friend, there are some of you who have been playing around in your relationship to the Lord for some time. Let me encourage you that you only have one life. And this is the time that God has given to you to make your commitment to Him. Would you do it today? Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ today and receive Him as Savior? If it's to join the church, would you do it today? Whatever God's speaking to your heart about, do it today. Father, we thank You for the opportunity that You give to us. Thank You for Your gracious invitation. And Lord, we pray Your blessings upon this time that you will examine our hearts and draw us to Christ our Savior, in whose name I pray. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir is going to sing as they do. Let me ask you to come, to make your commitment to the Lord, whatever that is. I'll meet you as you come. But stand with me, please, as they sing.